Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. Hi, everyone. My name is Marjorie Onos. I'm a psychologist who has worked for the past 25 years working with parents who have an intellectual disabilities. And in a weird twist of fate, 15 years into my career, when my son was 16 months old, I became myself a parent with a disability through uh, a car accident where I acquired a spinal cord injury. So I love to talk about parents with disabilities, and I love to talk about resilience and growth because I feel that we can do that at any point in our lives. Are you, I don't even know how to say it. Is this politically correct to ask you if you are wheelchair bound? Is that the right words? Yeah, it's okay. Often what we're going to say is my wheels are actually sort of my legs. And yeah, I may be bound to the wheelchair, but it's actually what gives me freedom. I love that. When my disability happened uh, in the first couple of years, I was saying this as well, sort of like, oh, I'm confined to my wheelchair. I'm stuck in my wheelchair. And then I read a quote from Rick Hansen, who is a very well-known paraplegic disability advocate in Canada. And he said, no, it allows me to do all of these stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's true. So uh, I no longer say it that way. I really love that. We are people who happen to have these issues. It's always trying to make sure I say it right. It's the best way to do it, actually. So thank you for asking the question. You're a parent as well. And so how did that change parenting and all that? I would say the first part of your question for me was a roller coaster. I never, ever, ever imagined in my life that I would become uh, disabled. And even though I worked with people with disabilities, so it's not like I had necessarily a bias, but it was just like not something I had considered for myself. And so being someone with my personality who tries to do everything all the time at like 200% energy all the time, my disability has taught me that sometimes we just need to rest because that is the best course of action that we could do at that moment. But I needed to learn it the hard way. And so in those moments where I was like, I felt restrained because of the disability, so quote unquote, were very difficult for me to sort of like accept. And so I had to sort of make peace with the fact that, you know what, maybe going a hundred miles an hour all the time is not what is recommended that we are in a wheelchair or not. Mm-hmm. And that um, at any point of my life, I would have learned that lesson differently. A roller coaster, some moments were difficult, others were quite a high, certainly anything related to my parenting my son and seeing him, how he is growing up to be such a wonderful, kind, justice-driven, creative, resilient young man is part of my highs. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, I thought, I feared that he would be traumatized by my accident. 
And even though there was some trauma linked to the fact that he hadn't seen me for five days right after the accident, and there's, you know, a few changes that happened. And so he reacted to that. But it turned out that my disability, I do believe, made him more resilient and just this beautiful human being because it opened him to a different way of living and seeing other people and being inclusive with other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, ups and downs. How old is he now? He's 12 years old. Do you call yourself mom on wheels? I do call myself mom on wheels because I think that's a fun way of putting it. Um, And it's definitely sort of linked to my identity, not only as a mom who uses a wheelchair, but also as a researcher and as a psychologist and a practitioner, as an advocate now as well, who has worked in this field for the past 25 years. And for sure, most of my clients at the beginning of my career had an intellectual disability, not a physical disability, but my own disability and accepting my own identity as a mom with a disability has led me to become also more inclusive in my work, including research and clinical practice. So to me, it's a strong sense of identity that I carry with the term mom on wheels. Mm -hmm. I really like it. Did you find that people treated you differently after the accident? Some did. I did lose some friends. And I guess you could always argue, were they really friends if they left at that time? But I would say that I have a pretty good, amazing support network around me. And so for sure, it changed everything. My accident changed, you know, even the people who loved me around me um, because they wanted me to be sort of still involved in their lives and them involved in mine. And so the changes were mostly sort of positive where people were asking me, how can we make sure that you could still come over to my house? for supper or for my Christmas party? Or how can we still go out? How can we still have girls weekend? How can we still sort of travel with you? And how can we be most helpful so that we don't take over your role, but we're supportive? Mm. Because the other part of my identity was that I had chosen to be a single mom right before my accident. And so I thought I could do it as a single mom when I was walking. But dealing with the accident, learning how to be in a body that was way different than I was used to. I had to relearn. And so all of those steps all together made it hard for me sometimes to parent Thomas on my own. I needed a lot of support at the beginning. And there were a lot of fears also attached to that because in the research that I had conducted and research that some of my colleagues had conducted, I knew that there was discrimination against parents with disabilities and that parents with disabilities are often judged more harshly by youth protection or by the legal system where there's a lot of fear about their capacity to parent. And so I had a lot of fear associated to that, which led me to make sure that I had all the support so that From an outsider's view, they would sort of see, oh, she's fine because she has help. Mm -hmm. So it's not just her uh, parenting Thomas. And so I think that affected also the way I reacted to the accident and how people also reacted to me in terms of being around us and making sure that we were protected that way, I guess. 
has your attitude changed towards yourself? Yeah, 100%. In what way? During that that decade, I think was, you know, a little bit like going back to the roller coaster. The first few years, I was totally in denial and I was acting as if I was still walking. So still like a hundred miles per hour. And it was just like, I think the reality of it all was too big for me to think that it had changed something. Mm -hmm. And then I started realizing that there was less and less gas in the tank because I was, you know, using my reserve tanks with the energy and the, and the stamina. And it had started to affect like my body weight. I wasn't exercises as much. And for someone who only has like my shoulder and my back muscle to be able to lift me up and do everything, because my injury is pretty high. It's right under the armpits that I can't feel or move anything. Mm. And so I started fatiguing. And so that was difficult because I started seeing the limitations. And it's sort of like they all came in like a tsunami where I it got hit where I realized like, oh, things need to change or else it's not going to, like, you're not going to make it. And when it hit me, that's when I had a sort of like delayed response and became depressed. I couldn't do my job anymore. I felt like the only energy that I had left was for my son. And that was like barely what I could do. And so that was a big deal for me to lose sort of my job status, because that was something that was very important. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I felt like nobody cared. Nobody wanted to listen to my story. There was absolutely no lesson to be learned. So everything was very dark in terms of the accident happened to me. I'm a victim of it. Mm-hmm. I'm powerless. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. We're pretty much sort of like what my thought pattern was for three, four years, where it was like really dark. And then, And then I don't know what happened. I saw an announcement for a training as a psychologist, but in positive psychology. And I had never heard this term before, even though I had been a psychologist for many decades. And I went, what is that? Why are they putting positive to psychology? And so I went to that training and there was like light bulb happen where all of a sudden we were talking about we as human beings have all of these strengths that are available to us at any moment. And so my story or the way I was telling my story that led me to feeling hopeless and helpless, all of a sudden I had a new vocabulary and I could tell my story saying, well, no, I actually survived the car accident because I love my son so much. So I actually was involved in saving myself. I use prudence, another sort of character strength that we have, so that the injury that I had in sustained and that I had realized I had like right when I woke up in the car, well, I use prudence so that it wouldn't get worse because I said to myself, you have to stop moving and wait for people to come and help you out. Mm. And so all of a sudden, I was like changing the narrative. And as I was changing the narrative, the feelings associated to it were also sort of changing. And my view of who I was and how I was accepting of myself changed. 
It's also at that moment where I started sharing about little stories about my life. And I was surprised, but I got a lot of positive comments and people wanted to hear more about those stories and about the lessons. And so the the discourse, again, was about sort of the lessons that I've learned. So it wasn't just like I'm a passive mm-hmm. in what happened. I'm actually active because I'm looking at how it made me grow. And that's when I met people in this wonderful organization that's called Speaker Slam. And I started sharing my stories there and learning about other people who had gone through different challenges, adversities in their lifetime, but also who were looking at their lessons and the growth. And that was awesome to have sort of like-minded, heart-minded people around me. What kind of advice would you have for somebody who is going through a challenge right now and can't see anything positive? That's really hard. And I would say that if you absolutely can't see anything positive, then maybe it would be important to sort of look for outside help, somebody who can sort of help you out. I had quotes that sort of helped me along the journey. Like, for example, it's darkest right before dawn. That was a quote that I had heard. And so it gave me hope. And Mm -hmm. I would say, look for hope any place you can see it, just hold on to hope. Hope will give you a little bit of that boost of that energy to get the help you need or to look for those quotes that would help you or listen to the music or the songs that pumps you up or that also tells you like, well, today is not a good day, but tomorrow there's you know a lot of promise to tomorrow. Hold on to hope and look for hope anywhere you can. We all face adversity. It's part of life. In a way, it's where we see how beautifully resilient we are as human beings. And so it doesn't make it easier when we have to go through it. But I think that if we do it and make sure that we are connected and that we feel like we belong, it makes the journey a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. I see behind you, Mom on Wheels. Is that a book? Yes, that is a book. There's actually the French version and the English version. And then there's another book called Our Yellow Brick Road. So Mom on Wheels, I wrote it was a gift that I gifted myself, but also to everyone who wanted to to read about my story for my 10-year anniversary of my accident. So it's been uh, almost a year. It's been eight months in publication. Our Yellow Brick Road is sort of the journey of Speaker Slam and how I actually won in 2021 the Grand Slam that year on the premise or on the story that I was, that we are all our own narrator in our journeys, in our stories. And that can have an impact on the lessons that, you know, that we learned and where we end up. And part of that Grand Slam prize was a a book deal. And so I used it to elevate the stories of 12 of my favorite speakers of that year. Oh, very cool. And so we did a compilation. And what I love, it's that you see exactly that in that book is that you, you see diversity. There's men and women in there who share 
about a whole bunch of different adversities, some some that are very dark, some that are maybe more usual, but all the same, something that was, you know, a big mountain for them to climb and how they climbed that mountain and were able to get on top. And so it's a book full of hope that there is always something to learn in the journey that we take. And what I was talking about, uh, feeling to be part of a group to connect is exactly that. And we called it our yellow brick road because it's a little bit like in Wizard of Oz on that yellow brick road, I found friends and those friends were able to support me and make me see the beauty in the world. And it was my way to thank them to to make sure that they were represented in that book. I love that so much. Thank you. I really appreciate this. It was really great. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.